There are a number of benefits to having a brother who is a nature counselor. Tupperwares full of fresh Phelps Farm blueberries immediately come to mind. A brother who is aware of which plants across the hillside cause a full body rash, or which mushrooms could contain a fatal amount of poisonous chemicals, also a plus. And maybe it is just a coincidence, but every time I am with Ollie, he seems to attract the hillside's fauna at rates much higher than what chance would suggest. Call me crazy, but nature counselors seem to possess some sort of allure to the natural world. Walking to Mem Hall with Ollie earlier this week, for example, we encountered a toad with NBA caliber hopping ability. Ollie claimed that this slimy gymnast was actually a frog. To try and return it to its aquatic peers, we attempted to pick it up with a clipboard and a blithe spirit script, but to no avail. The amphibian reverse four and a half somersault backflip swan dive into the shrubbery in front of the alumni house. That's the Dow for the Loud People Camp. Similarly, Ollie and I recently caught a mouse trying to raid the Mary Lamb. At first, it was your traditional Western standoff. It's beady, adorable, Pokemon-esque eyes staring up at us. Realizing who it was messing with, things quickly divulged into a game of hide-and-seek as the crook darted between Charleston Chew and Kit Kat boxes. It took us about 10 minutes of ripping the plastic boxes out of the lamb shelves to trap a mischievous critter. My grandfather, Don Winslow, was a camper from 1941 to 1943 and a counselor from 1944 to 1945. Don was 16 years old his first summer as a counselor, part of a team of boys asked to fill in a council void caused by the Second World War. Similar to the New Yorker, the portrait of Pasquani is edited so that short stories, photos, and cartoons are embedded within the larger chapters. One of the pint-sized stories is a recounting of a group of older campers and counselors attempting, attempting to capture a porcupine, which had shimmied to the top of a tree above Barrett Hall. Don authors the segment. He writes that after pondering for a second about how one actually goes about catching a porcupine, one of the counselors, in true Skip Gorman fashion, fetched a rope, looped the end, and on the very first try, lassoed the top of the tree. Jack Anderson could have used this team at the Exhibition Exposition's Bear Bag Station. The boys tightened the loop and began to pull the top of the tree towards the ground. This must have been a very flimsy sapling, as the boys' objective was to pull the top so close to the ground that the porcupine could be grabbed. While the tree was pulled closer and closer to the ground, the alternate goal was never reached. To the misfortune of both the boys and the porcupine, the rope lost its grip on the top of the tree and ended up catapulting the porcupine up towards the graveyard. To quote Don, for all our consequential searching, we never did find that porcupine, but we did laugh a lot both at the porcupine's unscheduled flight and at our own ridiculous attempts to capture the beast. I never knew Don. My memories of him are limited to photo albums, a headshot in the shack, and stories from my mom's side of the family and veteran Pasquanians like Bubbles. His legacy of altruism and service, however, has informed much of my life. Additionally, imagining him here at Pasquani 
half a century ago engaging in the same activities that we are, eating at Mem Hall, going to chapel, growing crew, playing baseball, and most relevant to this talk, attempting to capture the creatures that roam this hillside, informs and reassures me that I am part of something much larger than myself, something much larger than the 130 of us sitting on this ridge today. Sophomore year of college, I had little idea of what I wanted to major in, and after a few tacks and jibes, ended up in a cultural psychology class. In the class, we learned that the United States is something called an individualistic society, a culture grounded in uniqueness and self-advancement. We are focused on elevating our individual selves with test scores, grades, athletic and extracurricular achievements, all of which are incredibly important but not exhaustive phrase we often hear at camp. So focused on ourselves, it is easy to lose track of the communities we are a part of and who we are sharing our lives with. The advantages of perceiving yourself as part of a larger group are twofold. First, the notion of collectivity can relieve individual anxiety. And second, it can promote compassion and empathy. Trying to navigate this world as an individual can be disorienting. While chasing individual success can be rewarding in the short term, it can leave you with a sense of vertigo. Why am I doing this? What is my purpose? Rhetorical questions like this, at least for me, have caused inner predicaments. Getting lost in your own personal objectives can also lead you to push others down in your own ascent. Conway Stanton, my older camper, friend, and Pas Pasquani counselor, said in a tree talk in 2018, that he finds fulfillment in worshiping a set of values concerning the well-being of others, kindness, respect, and love. What I took away from Conway's talk as a young counselor was that if you ever are feeling lost or confused, you can find purpose, a grounding, in taking care of the people around you. Probably like many of you, I watched Joe Biden's presidential inauguration from my living room, with Ollie standing next to me on my right, my mom on my left, and my dad the floor below on a Zoom call. We watched J-Lo raise the roof, if that's even possible in the outdoor venue behind the Capitol. We listened to Amanda Gorman's thoughtful poem and watched Kamala Harris historically become the first woman to be vice president. And we listened to Biden's address. The ceremony was a nice intermission to the hundreds of games of Gatan that we played last year. Thank you, Rich, for the recommendation. Hearing Biden recite the American anthem during his speech was one of the cooler Pasquani in the real world experiences I've had. Up there with seeing a band at my school play a Burke of the Bluff song and watching Ed Norton in the Incredible Hulk. Apparently, after Biden's recital of the lyrics, Mr. Vinny received a deluge of text saying, whoa, or American anthem, or how cool was that, from Pasquani men of all ages. As we know, the anthem famously begs the question, what shall be our legacy? What will our children say? American Anthem discusses sharing our blessings to better the larger country, benefiting our own national communities. While our individual experiences, like capturing a porcupine, may be ephemeral, our legacies of kindness and institutional commitment will persist. When we examine our lives in the context of the lives of others, we find a reason to give to listen, and a purpose. One of the first group events that I attended after COVID was Ollie's High School graduation, Concord Academy. At the 
the ceremony, I had the privilege to listen to the commencement address by Amani Perry, the Hugh Rogers Professor of African American Studies at Princeton University. She also received a 2021 Guggenheim Fellowship in the field of intellectual and cultural history. Perry's speech was grounded on the importance of prioritizing our mutuality. In a year of immense isolation, Perry explained that at the same time, we learned a lot about collectivity. We learned the necessity of the bonds of mutuality, of mutual care, respect, and regard. Even if we were not in high-risk communities, or if we were vaccinated, we wore masks to protect one another. We witnessed friends and loved ones cope with loss and pain. Doctors and essential workers demonstrated selflessness facing unknown risks by going into work when numbers were soaring. Perry stated, the virus has respected no border, and therefore, you learned that in some fundamental way, human beings share a lot. Perry continued by stating that we also saw how the suffering in this past year was not equally distributed. This year we learned and are continuing to learn how to listen to and support our peers in marginalized communities. Perry's talk resonated with me as I sat under that tent, still adjusting, being back in a crowd setting. By acknowledging that we all share something, we are encouraged to listen to our peers and learn that we do not share everything. A lesson that first appears contradictory, but when meditated on, provides some of the most important advice I've heard all year. By acknowledging that we all share something, we are encouraged to listen to our peers and learn that we do not share everything. What can you do to help the people around you in your community? At camp, it is easy to see that we are part of a whole. Our transgenerational history, our shared uniforms, our connected dormitories, our duties, our shared values. Away from the hillside, however, it's easy to fall into the trap of being exclusively focused on the self. I implore you all, as we leave this hillside in a little over a week, to acknowledge the collective that you are a part of. Sports teams, play cats, dance troops, people who live on your block, your town, and your country. Give to, love, and listen to these people. Remind yourself that you are not navigating life alone. With the help of others, life can look less like a western wildfire smoky day on Newfound, and more like a clear sunset view of the lake during Sunday night singing at the waterfront. Finally, remember that each and every one of you are an essential part of this Pasquani Collective. As I'm writing this talk, Henry Anderson is gasping at a porcupine he caught uh, on the Nature Program's game camera. I can't help but wonder if it's somehow related to Don's porcupine, perhaps a great-great-grandson. Even our prickliest community members can find a home here and embed themselves in Pasquani. Thank you.